Hi, and welcome to the Get More Students podcast. I'm your co-host, Alex Asher, CEO of LearnCube. And I'm Herbert Goza, founder of Herbert Goza Digital. Now, today we were thinking, why don't we talk a little bit about, you know, the people that are behind this, I, <laughs> myself and Herbert, because if you've been listening to us for, yeah, we've been going well over a year now, uh, you'll be kind of maybe a little bit more curious about, hey, how did Herbert get to where he was? Uh, maybe Alex as well. But for today, we're really going to focus on your story, Herbert, because I think it's a really fascinating one. And I think it hopefully provides not only you know, build some relationships and um, with our with our current listeners, but I think also a lot of people would really resonate with your story. Yeah, I hope so. And uh, great to uh, get to know our audience a bit better through, you know, these stories like this. <laughs> exactly. Um, now, I'm going uh, to bring up some questions or at least a, a bit of a framework, and then we can kind of go through, uh, through that over time. But I'm really interested in how you built your business. Um, it is a, you know, uh, why don't we, why don't we, uh, start with the end in mind. So tell us a little bit about your business now, what it looks like, um, mm. and then we can kind of talk about what it used to look like <laughs> and how you got there. Absolutely. So uh, I run a digital advertising agency and we specialize in paid advertising campaigns, specifically for language schools and education businesses to generate more leads and enrollments for their courses and programs. Um, and we've been around for three and a half years. We are now a team of uh, six. Um, and we have the privilege of working with some amazing education companies uh, and schools around the world. Uh, well, the that is quite an achievement regardless. Uh, I think as soon as you're over a, a team of one, a lot of things <laughs> are a massive an improvement. But what I really love about that as well is you've been able to build a team, which you know is this the sense of a business that's outside of yourself. And we're going to dig into how you built that and, and kind of maybe what has also really jumped your business up a few levels in, in more recent years. Sure. Um, let's then start, uh, go back to, to where you were. Uh, perhaps let's start, I think three and a half years ago, you started the business. Exactly. Why yeah. don't we start there? And then we'll also look even further back um, sure, into, sure. into your story. So, well, I've been in the, the language uh, training industry for quite a while now. And, uh, you know, three and a half years ago, I was uh, working at a language school. I was in um, sales and also had a position as a uh, manager of training and development. Um, so I, I I knew quite a, quite a few aspects, uh, sides of the language school business. Um, and that language school needed some help uh, promoting their English camps, summer English camps, and just their language courses in general. And they were trying to find new ways of reaching audiences. And I had previously had some experience uh, running Facebook and Instagram ads. We might get that. Uh, we might uh, go, go back to that a bit later. And uh, so I raised my hand. I volunteered to help them out um, with their online marketing and it worked. Uh, and I really enjoyed that part of the business and really found that 
through my research that a lot of language schools and education businesses struggle with this digital marketing, online marketing side of things. And so that's why I decided, hey, uh, it might be wise to start a digital advertising agency to help those um, businesses. So it sounds like you already started fairly quickly on this idea of a, a niche rather than necessarily becoming a digital marketer, because that's the alternative, right? You could have said, hey, I'm going to just be a Facebook consultant or a, a marketing consultant. What made you think that you wanted to stay in, involved in the sector? Because I wanted to plan my strengths and, uh, Having been in the industry for so long, I, I kind of knew the ins and outs of, of the business. Mm -hmm. And I thought that I would have an easier time than speaking to potential customers because I, I spoke their language and I understood kind of all of the, the challenges uh, that they go through every day as a, as a language school. So that's what that was my thought. Instead of branching into a completely new industry or field, mm -hmm. Uh, to really double down on on what I already know, and I guess you yeah you already had a somewhat of a network to be able to build from. Um, when you looked at the, how did you assess the competition at that particular moment, or even the need? Mm. I did a lot of research. Um, th there really aren't that many players in 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 this industry when it comes to uh, kind of digital marketing agencies that uh, service language schools and education mm -hmm. businesses really like uh like single digits um mm -hmm. or at least back then it was um and, and so I was like okay this isn't a a flooded or saturated market and uh I I did see the potential because doing my research uh googling um large schools and seeing what type of advertising they're doing online it was zero you know at the time wow. I was like, okay, uh, why aren't they doing um, any online advertising? This would be a great uh, new acquisition channel for them in addition to, you know, their other more traditional uh, channels. So uh, I, I saw the opportunity there. And what were the kind of initial, do you remember any conversations where you had, you know, you talked to these language school owners mm -hmm. and they were like, you, why would we be interested in what you have to offer? Like, tell me about those stories of maybe being kicked in the teeth. A few times. Oh gosh. Yes. The first, uh, the first many calls uh, with, with, with language schools were very difficult. Um, so, I mean, this, this wasn't even that long ago. Uh, so what are we talking about? Like mid 2018 um, thing, uh, end of 2018. And uh, uh, people were just very, very skeptical. Um, and even today, you know, it, it's, it's still a hard sell, uh, because a lot of these, uh, schools have tried either agencies or freelance marketers before with little to no success, or they've tried doing online advertising themselves through Facebook, Instagram, Google, et cetera. And they have, uh, spent a lot of money and gotten a uh, little results. So, mm. uh, yeah, it was quite tough at the beginning to convince, you know, that, that first uh, customer to uh, have faith in, in me and my process. Um, interesting as well. How long does it often take before somebody starts seeing, let's call them results? Mm. 
I mean, it really depends on on the business. Uh, you for for schools that are already established, they have a product they know uh, is 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 popular and um, resonates with the market. Then it's obviously much easier. Um, of course, there are other factors to this. You know, we always talk about how important the website is and um, organic presence on social media. You know, all of these things kind of factor into the success of paid ad campaigns. Um, but when a school has all of those things, uh, then, you know, within the first kind of six to eight weeks, we can really see um, some good results. So do you ha- I mean, already, though, I mean, it's not quite the same as language. Like it takes a lot longer even in language to, to kind of get results potentially because mm-hmm. there is, you know, there is that, that time in there. Uh, but I was, I thought there might be some similarities, but still there's like this leap of faith where mm-hmm. things are happening. You're not seeing immediate results necessarily. And you've got to keep your, your clients kind of on board. How do you do that well? And is there maybe some... Are there some lessons there that could be applicable to anyone listening to their own businesses? Absolutely. Uh, expectation management is, mm-hmm. is huge. I mean, always, you know, you, you, you want to uh, set uh, goals, great goals, realistic goals, and, you know, try to over-deliver, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's nothing worse than, than promising the world and, and then coming up short. And so... Uh, being realistic with, you know, what you've gotten, taking all of those factors into consideration, um, working out a plan uh, that that works for both parties. And then uh, just communication is so important. Um, and, and we love to have weekly communication with our uh, uh, clients. And mm-hmm. so uh, in order to get feedback in real time. I, I think that point on expectation management is something that's useful for you, but I think it would be useful for anybody. What are the resources that you've created that help your clients, for example, feel like they're on track with whatever their process is? Because otherwise it, it's like going off a cliff. You're just kind of hoping something happens, mm. whereas it sounds like you're kind of providing the stepping stones of what, people can expect so people don't you know feel uncomfortable being there sure Uh, first impressions uh, are mm -hmm. so important so the the onboarding of clients Mm -hmm. is extremely crucial and you want to make that uh, a seamless uh, and easy experience for them so them giving you all of the data you need Mm -hmm. in order to in in order for us to create the ad copy to create Mm -hmm. the, the assets for the campaigns and also show them kind of what the plan is what the um kind of the uh uh key milestones are and what they can expect in the next two three four months with working with us uh and so they know from the get-go, okay, this is what we need to do as a client. Mm-hmm. This is what, you know, they, uh, you know, our, our agency is going to do in the, in the mm-hmm. background. And these are the, the next steps. Uh, and also having a, a, a dashboard or a place to house all of the data, um, mm. which clients can access all the time um, with all of the KPIs, how much they're spending, the conversions, uh, et cetera. So I think that idea of a dashboard is really helpful. So how do you, are you doing that in a specific tool that you have that can kind of pull all of, pull all of that exactly. data for them? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we use, there are plenty of tools, but we use Google uh, data, data studio um, with uh, a, another plugin called super, super metrics. 
which collates all of the data from the different ad platforms into one lovely, uh, easy to read um, dashboard. That sounds great. I think it also, again, it's like giving me inspiration. It's like, oh, okay, how can I apply that for, for our business? Uh, very cool. So um, I think it's really clear, like some of the, the key kind of ideas of how you've built that business, you know, the things that are important, you've talked about onboarding being really crucial. Mm. Uh, let's go back into your story a little bit. Um, we, we sort of went to the three and a half year mark. Yeah. Take me a little bit further back to, did you see yourself as an entrepreneur much earlier on? Or was this something that was more of a newer phenomenon? No, I always wanted to start my own business. I always wanted to have that uh, freedom, so to say. Um, and I had dabbled with other businesses in the past. I guess the the biggest one was um, probably about six years ago now, seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, with a, a business partner, we decided to launch a, a sneaker label wow. <laughs> of all things more than something completely eye. different um you know we were both interested in we're both interested in fashion um and at that time like the, the sneaker uh trend was just going off and so we we thought we'd capitalize on that and came up with this this uh amazing kind of extraordinary sneaker design um a high price sneaker uh the thing is both of us had zero experience in the uh fashion industry Mm -hmm. uh and we were starting from scratch with no knowledge no connections nothing and it was a hard challenging road a very expensive one uh where a lot of uh, mistakes were made and there are just so many moving parts when it comes to building a product like this um you know you're you're speaking to uh the designers who uh actually sketch out the shoe and then mm-hmm. the hardware which we had that was our kind of a usp the hardware on the shoe there was a buckle on the shoe uh and then the logistics from the sole maker to the leather manufacturers to the shoelace manufacturers and and combining all of those and getting everyone to work together uh was wow was probably uh an MBA. Uh, I, I, I say it's, uh, um, I went through an MBA in that, you know, one and a half years of, of, of trying to launch that uh, sneaker label. And um, it was an eye-opening experience. <laughs> Let's oh, say, say that much. And you must, I mean, that sounds like probably one of the, yeah, one of your biggest learnings. And, and it, it I mean, the fact that you're here now very successfully, but the fact you're not part of a, a sneaker brand tells me, you know, what was, what was the end result for that? Well, we weren't, were not successful uh, launching the brand. Um, we, I mean, we launched it, uh, but in terms of actually uh, selling, selling the shoes, we, we, we struggled, you know, with website, with suppliers, uh, with logistics. And so we had to make the painful decision um, to, to stop it um, after spending a lot of money wow. uh, on this uh, and, and making so many mistakes. Uh, I mean, I could tell you, you know, we, we <laughs> something that I would never do uh, today. Um, you know, we spent uh, 12,000 euros on a photo shoot um, for, oh, wow. for, for, 
for this campaign uh, when we could have probably done it ourselves with, you know, just a cat or hired a photographer. Anyway, um, you know, mistakes like those. Uh, and so we decided to shut down the business and sell everything off. And after that, I was a bit, I guess, scared about starting a new business, like yeah. as you would be after kind of mm-hmm. you know, losing um, you know, a lot of time and money. And so that's when I went back um, uh, into the language uh, school business. Uh, and I, I worked for about, uh, I guess, a, a, a year. And then that's when I came up with the idea of, of the agency and decided at the time to start the agency while I was working full time uh, until I reached a point where I said, okay, now it makes sense to go all in um, 100%. Into so the did, did you, yeah, did you, um, you call it, you know, have steps to get to full time or did you go full time once you'd sort of made that decision? It took about six months. So okay. I started the agency and then six months later, I, I got to a point where, all right, I can, I can do this full time. And yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Um, are there any other kind of uh, learnings? You kind of mentioned the photo shoot, but is there something, I think there's some universal truths out of your experience. Do, do you want to kind of maybe suggest what, what some of those were? Um, over, yeah, overspending on certain things that maybe weren't important for me was that takeaway, but do you have anything else that you'd kind of uh, bring up? Definitely keeping, keeping your, your budget in mind. And uh, you know, the fantastic thing, I guess, with um, this agency is it required such little capital investment. Mm. And that's what I was, I was really looking for after, <laughs> after doing the complete opposite. Um, and I guess, research we we did not test the market before we launched the product we were like okay this this is a our idea is so fantastic everyone's gonna love it we're just gonna go with it uh produce it and people will buy um and so uh finding your proof of concept first by uh you know coming up with a mvp model um or doing a little test doing market research asking your your target audience, you know, what they want, what their needs are. Uh, we failed to do that. And mm. we thought um, that because sneakers were so hyped up uh, at the time that people would just uh, buy it. Um, so that was a major failure as well. Uh, I find it really interesting, particularly you, you, I've seen the way that you work as well. And this idea of testing and MVPs is mm-hmm. something that's quite core to what you offer now. And now it kind of makes sense as well as like when you've had the, you know, some hard knocks, you, you learn those pretty quickly. Um, are there any other kind of, um, well, I mean, what was your attitude to risk maybe before and afterwards? Before I, I was, very risk tolerant, extremely risk tolerant. Um, that was a huge risk. Obviously, uh, after closing down the sneaker label, uh, my risk appetite was like zero. Mm. And so I kind of had to work my way back up to uh, accepting more risk, mm-hmm. um, which, again, took about a year uh, to, to get over over that. Uh, but now um, I would say I'm, I'm probably not, not back to where I used to be, but uh, I'd say my, my risk uh, appetite is, is quite high again. 
Um, but also, I mean, this business that you're in now also mm. probably what, you know, you mentioned it wasn't easy to begin with, you know, to get the wheels mm. in motion takes a lot yeah. of hard, hard effort. So what got you, what kept you motivated during those tough times? Is there anything that you can share that would be applicable also to others that are maybe, um, you know, there's not a shortage of people that have had some tough times. There's also some yeah. people that have had some great <clears throat> times in the last couple of years, but at one point or, or another, you're going to hit some tough times. What, what's got you through? not being alone and not, not just going about it by yourself, which I used to be, um, you know, I was, I, I used to always do everything myself. I didn't like to delegate. I thought I would, I could go it alone. I didn't need anyone else, Mm -hmm. um, to, to be successful. Um, not saying you can't be successful, uh, on on your own, but it is much easier with people uh, around you. And, uh, so what I had, uh, was accountability partners, so people also in the same kind of space as me, other agency owners who I could talk to and share ideas, um, get some feedback on you know what I'm doing uh, in the business. That was a huge thing for me, um, so that I, I knew that I wasn't alone. I didn't that my problems were also the problems of other people, and uh, you know finding out how they uh, solve them and um, you know came up with solutions uh, was extremely important. Is that sort of like know. a mastermind group? Like were these people that also had agencies in language education <laughs> or they had agencies, but not in language education? Uh, the latter. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Um, so that makes some sense. Uh, the reason I sort of um, pause on that for a moment is I think in the education space there's a lot of really goodwill and people willing to collaborate, but I don't think mm-hmm. it's, you can't really gloss over the fact that there is also the sense of competition. And so how, is there anything that you'd recommend for education companies in terms of finding support and maybe really honest support either in or outside of the education, which I don't know if you've got any thoughts on that one. I mean, I would recommend, uh, you know, joining, non-industry groups Mm -hmm. uh, again to get a different perspective a different angle on things Uh, Mm. other uh, people in other businesses other industries um, connecting with them and you know there are great places to to do that these days online whether that be Facebook groups or LinkedIn groups or um, there are some entrepreneur groups where you can join uh, and and meet online or even have live meetups. So um, I would highly recommend that. Um, You've kind of indicated, um, you know, some tough times as well. What's your greatest fear and how did you get over that fear when it comes to starting a business maybe or or building a business? Oh, my, my greatest fear was that, uh, I guess no one would, no one would buy from me. No one would um, believe or trust in, in what I was, I was selling. So I made sure to, um, especially in this industry to, to, to make connections, um, strategic partnerships, like our, our partnership, Alex, and also to get, my name out there and and be on other people's stages like you know we have webinars I'm on a a lot of uh I'm at a lot of conferences I speak a lot at other events um I think that uh that really solidifies 
kind of your your image and reputation within this very small niche that we are in. So um, that's been very useful. And how has being an entrepreneur sort of affected your life, maybe your identity or even your family life? Um, I mean, I love it. <laughs> I couldn't think of anything, anything uh, better because I now have, you know, time, uh, location freedom, which is something I always, always wanted. I, I love traveling. And so I can, I can take my work with me, uh, when I travel and now having, having a team to, to support me or to support our businesses, uh, you know, even better. Uh, do you have any tips with, um, I'll talk about tips of building a team, but I think going from you know, zero to one, you going from nothing to a, to a startup is one kind of um, aspect, but also that one to your first employee uh, or team member. Do you remember that? And if you do, what do you feel is really important about that first hire? Right. Uh, it is... <laughs> I'll I'll tell you that the first hire is 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 no longer no longer with us. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think you you get it right on your first hire. Yeah. Uh, but I would say looking back, uh, it's got to be a culture fit. Um, out mm-hmm. of anything, it has to be culture. Um, and and if you could if you can work with that person and and they're friendly, you know, you can have fun. Uh, because all everything else, I mean, if if they are motivated, if they're proactive, if they're willing to learn, then then f- to me that is better than having two more years experience. Oh, yeah. um, so I was hell bent on getting you know the most experienced person at the start, uh, and it, it didn't work out. It, it just didn't because uh, personalities clashed, um, and so. Uh, now when I'm hiring uh, you know it's, it has to be a culture fit first so that means you do you have any clear idea I'll look at your own culture but I think can you kind of pull out how do you build the culture um, and how do you think about that Ooh, that's a that's a that's a good question I think it is you have to live uh, the culture right it kind of comes from you 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 show the way forward um and and you give the i guess the the guidelines and the boundaries of 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 that of that culture so you really have to be able to live it um because your team members will replicate a kind of what you what you give forth and so um it, it it's got to be authentic it's got to come from you it, it can't be something that's put on um yeah i really agree with that you can't you can't fake that culture because your culture is like your it's your default which means that no matter what you're going to get back to that at one point or another um particularly when things get a bit tougher that's when you go back to that kind of tortoiseshell yeah. <laughs> and that tortoiseshell is going to be whatever your your kind of culture is so uh, that really resonates with me and I, i'm sure that people listening in uh would have the same um i'm going to ask then one thing that I, I, I think is kind of overlooked, and the good thing is you've you've got a, a kind of counter um, experience with your sh- with your sneaker business. When do you like cut your losses? Like when is it? You know, when is you know tough times? It's it's not worth pursuing. Well, where where are you at with that? 
Oh, that was so difficult. Like it's probably the most difficult uh, decision I've, I've had to make because we invested so much time, so, uh, so, so many resources into, into just launching the brand mm-hmm. and it just wasn't working out. We had tried so many different uh, things, marketing, mm-hmm. connecting with people, magazines, and we just weren't getting anywhere. And our motivation was also lacking, of course. You know, it was, mm-hmm. it was decreasing um, as time went on. And we, we just had to cut our losses. And, and, and for, for me personally, I was like, okay, um, I'm just going to put this down as a learning experience, mm-hmm. um, an expensive learning experience, but, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've learned a lot from my mistakes and I need to move forward yeah. um, be, because I, I, I don't see that there is, there was a future um, with, with that business and my heart wasn't anymore. And if, if my gut, if my heart is not in something, then I, I know that's when I have to stop. Yeah, it makes it very hard when things are hard to to keep going if you're if you just uh, don't feel that you've got that same motivation. It, it seems also though, you, you know, the opposite has also been true. Like when you've gone back to your roots in a way with language education, this is not you know you've been in language education for how many years now, Herbert? I, I started off as a teacher back in two thousand eight. Yeah, so I mean that's a really core part of your identity as well as sort of being in this space. And I think it's from what I've gathered. That, became, that was a much more authentic kind of place for you to be and to start yeah. than maybe in, in the sneaker business. Um, very interesting. Uh, I'm going to uh, finish with a question just around, you know, what is your proudest moment to date? Uh, what is my proudest moment? Uh, I love getting up on stage and, and speaking to audiences uh, and imparting some knowledge. Uh, and I just love helping, helping people and businesses, uh, you know, with, you know, this, this topic on, on, on marketing, because I, I know there is quite a lack, a lack of knowledge and uh, I, I love being able to, to share that um, with as many people as possible, <clears throat> but also, being able to work with kind of some industry industry leaders um you know we we had the, the privilege of um doing the first digital campaigns for international house world organization oh, wow. amazing um and some other amazing language schools um so yeah that that's been it's been a great milestone as well Oh, amazing. Um, well, I'm definitely keen to p- follow your follow your journey with you, Herbert. I'm really proud to be to be working with you and alongside Thanks you. Um, we'll obviously um, keep chatting, but the, the people listening in, if you want to know a little bit more about Herbert, uh, Herbert, where are they going to find you and find a bit more information about your story? Sure, on our website, herbertgerzer.com. Got it. Herbertgerzer.com. Um, and also, I'm sure people can find you on your LinkedIn. But uh, uh, Herbert, this has been an absolute pleasure to to learn actually a bit more behind the scenes uh, <laughs> Very much so. of your business. And again, I've I've learned a lot, and you're a real inspiration. Thanks so much. Thanks, Alex.